You may be seated. If you turn in your bulletin, there's an insert, and it has the Scripture text today we'll be looking at. Or you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. You'll find in the outline there are uh, five points on this outline, and I won't deny that uh, there's a lot of Calvinism in this John chapter 10, so maybe that's how I was unduly influenced to have five points today. Um, as we look at the I am's of Jesus throughout the summer, we've been camping in John 8, 9, and 10, and we've been looking at what Jesus says about Himself, and a particular vantage point that I'm trying to bring to the text as I work through what Jesus says about Himself is I want to know His character, who He says He is, and what does that mean for me as I am in Christ? By faith in Jesus Christ, we are told that we are in Christ. And what does His true identity have to do with my identity being rooted in Christ? And here we see again another I am of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. Now, it's important for us to put these verses in their context. There's a near context and then there's a far context. The near context is these verses come right after Jesus and the miracle that He did in healing the man who was born blind. As I mentioned last week, that set the um, tone for these two I am statements. Jesus said, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. Jesus lovingly and caringly cured this man who was in a terrible situation, having been blind since birth. And Jesus, in doing this miracle, really shame came upon the, the Pharisees for they were the leaders that should have been caring for and shepherding this man born blind. Instead, they brought accusations at him, interrogation, and eventually ended up running him out of their assembly, out of the synagogue. So, Jesus then in chapter 10 really rebukes the Pharisees by telling them who He is compared to who they are. They, as we see in the broader context, the far context, throughout the Old Testament, we've seen that this term shepherd is used of God's leaders throughout Israel. Throughout the history of Israel, the people understood the shepherd theme as a theme that they would apply to their leaders. And the priests and the elders of Israel were often called shepherds. Sometimes in the prophets they were called um, wicked shepherds, bad shepherds. They weren't doing their job, and sometimes they were extolled for doing a great job. But it always left us longing in the Old Testament accounts of shepherds that there's got to be another shepherd. There's got to be a true shepherd, a good shepherd. And in Ezekiel 34, there is spoken of a good shepherd, a shepherd who would be God Himself, in the line of King David. David's, in fact, David's greater son. Uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 11 says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples. I will gather them in from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. 
I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing line, land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture shall they feed in the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. And later he says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now, David had died and was gone by the time Ezekiel wrote this. He was talking about one who was promised by David to be in his line of his lineage, Jesus himself. He says, one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Now, this chapter in Ezekiel is fulfilled in John chapter 10. Follow along as I read the fulfillment in verses 11 through 18 and verses 27 to 30. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father." And I lay my life down for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your holy word and We thank You, Lord Jesus, for this teaching of who You are. Lord, we've been blessed to get to know You, to get to know Your character more and more over these last few weeks. And Lord, we pray that as we get to know You, as we understand who You are in Your Word, Lord, that we would not go away unchanged, but that we would be transformed. Lord, that we would see You and reflect Your glory to those around. Lord, that we would know You And that we would know the power of your salvation as it works its way out into our lives. Father, I pray that as we hear your word that you would challenge us in our wrong thinking and that you would encourage us in right thinking. Lord, I pray that your truth would transform us and grow us in Jesus' name. Amen. I think each of the different I am statements that we've been studying give us a little different perspective into the character of who Jesus is, another facet of Jesus and His character. When Jesus says that He is the bread of life, 
He shows us that He makes provision for us. When He says, I am the light of the world, we see that He brings true sight and true vision. When He says, I am who I am, He shows us that He is eternal in His existence. When He says that I am the door, He shows us that He is exclusive in giving access to salvation. But what does I am the good shepherd tell us about His character? The good shepherd. I'm convinced after reading and studying this statement that this I am, I am the good shepherd, gives us the most personal and intimate understanding of Jesus and His character. It tells us who He is and how we are cared for and kept by His loving, tender, but firm management and direction of our lives. Let me say that again. This particular I am is the most personal and intimate understanding of who Jesus is and how we are cared for. We are kept by His loving and tender, but firm management and direction of our lives. I am the Good Shepherd is ultimately fulfilled by Jesus laying His life down for the sheep. And that is made clear to us by what John, 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know what love is, that He laid down His life for us. I want us to draw five points from the text today that I hope would encourage you, that I hope would also challenge you to draw intimately near to your caring and tender Good Shepherd. This is the Savior, Jesus Christ, who knows you. Uh, a few different times in our text today, we see that the Good Shepherd knows His sheep. Now, as I was kneeling for our confession of sin and kneeling in our prayer time, I thought, if Jesus is the Good Shepherd, what does that make me? A sheep. And there I am on my knees. Imagine yourself then on all four. And that's really where we stand before God when we say He is the Good Shepherd. And what does He know about us? He first knows that we're sheep. What do you know about sheep? I think the romantic pictures of a shepherd on a hillside with these fluffy white sheep just pounce, you know, prancing along is, is probably not accurate to history and not accurate to what shepherds really have to deal with when they have to deal with sheep. Um, sheep are stubborn. Sheep are dumb. Sheep go their own way. Sheep are a challenge to take care of. And so, when we say that Jesus is the good shepherd, we ought to know a little bit about ourselves when He uses this analogy. He knows me. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. See, this knowledge is perfect knowledge. It's the kind of knowledge that Jesus says, as I know the Father and as the Father knows me, as intimate and as close as I am with my own heavenly Father, that's the kind of closeness and intimacy with which He knows you. Jesus knows you, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you take comfort in the fact that Jesus knows you inside and out? 
He knows everything you've done, everything you've said, and He knows everything that you have left unsaid, everything that you have thought in your mind, everything that you have desired in your heart. Does that comfort you or does that reality kind of shake you up a little bit? Does that kind of put you a little on edge, a little unnerved? It's a little maybe embarrassing or uncomfortable to think that Jesus knows me that well. That's a little hard to swallow. Now, if you're terrified by that, if you're afraid about that, then you need to do business with God and you need to get right with Him and confess what He already does know. The things that you're ashamed of and are convicted of, just put those out on the table and say, God, forgive me, and He will through His Son. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. Jesus knows you better than your wife, your husband, better than your kids. He knows you the best. And that, I hope, will bring you comfort because Jesus is the one who knows you better than anyone else and still says, I love you. He knows everything that I've done, everything that I've said, and everything that I've thought, and He still says, you are my sheep, and I love you. I know you, but I still love you. Maybe uh, you are misunderstood and misinterpreted by other people. You don't feel like people really get you. They don't really understand you. That... uh, They misinterpret your words and actions. But you can rest certain in the fact that Jesus never misinterprets you. Jesus always knows what you're truly thinking, what you're truly feeling, what you're trying to get across. And you don't have to fret over other people not getting you. Maybe maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe you feel like you're all alone. There's one who knows you and loves you, and that's Jesus. And so, when we're afraid of what other people think of us, we're afraid what other people know about us, we're afraid that people will find out things about us, we can be certain that Jesus knows all about us and He still can forgive us and care for us. He knows you and can help you with all the struggles that you face. But since He knows us so well, that should make us want to know Him well. Right? That's what a relationship is about. If somebody shows an interest in you, wants to get to know you, asks you good questions, wants to spend time with you, how do you reciprocate that? How do you be a good friend? Well, you want to know them, right? You want to find out about them. What's their interests? What are their concerns? What gets them excited? What are they thinking about? And so, it should be no surprise to us that He knows us, the sheep, should know Him. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. My own know me. Do you want to know Jesus and who He is? Do you have a desire to find out what does the Bible say about who Jesus is? I'm concerned that we've probably inherited an American evangelical Christianity that has certain ideas and conceptions about who Jesus is that really aren't grounded in what the Bible says about who Jesus is. There is a sentimentality, there is a, a feeling that my Jesus is this way or my Jesus is that way, and it really doesn't square with what Jesus says about Himself or what the whole of Scripture says about who He is. Do you really want to know who He is? 
I mean, if you had a friend and you only relied on what other people said about him and not getting to know him by spending time with him, don't you think you would be shortchanging that relationship? Don't you think you'd be susceptible to, to really misunderstanding who they are if you were only going at the word of what another one said? God has revealed who He is to us. In the Word, Jesus is the Word, and He tells us what His character is, what He is like, how we can get to know Him. You know, we can study and learn from our Bibles who Jesus is. Just work through the Gospels. Work through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see His words, see His actions, see His character on display. Reference back to the Old Testament, the times where He has predicted the character of His Father who sent Him. You'll get to know Jesus. You'll start to understand who He is. It seems like a daunting task, but there's so much to find in God's Word about who Jesus is. And I love the way the Apostle Paul describes his prayer for the people in Colossae at this church, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." You can have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in this life. Where do you find them? They're in Christ. And where do you find Christ? You work through the Word. Now, that, this shouldn't be a chore to us. This shouldn't be uh, something that we don't want to do. But don't get me wrong. It is work. It, it takes some effort. It takes some self-discipline to, to actually spend time in the Word when there's so many distractions. We have so many things going on. There's so many things that are competing for our time and attention that... Spending time learning about who Jesus is can be a challenge, but think of it as a treasure hunt. Kids, if, if I told you that there's a, there's a treasure to be found and you can go together with me and we can search and find it and there's a map, that map that leads to the treasure is this Bible. And in this map, you're going to see all the knowledge and understanding and wisdom that we can find in Jesus. Come on, let's get to know Him. The prayer that Paul prayed for himself in Philippians 3, he said, whatever I had that was gain, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He wanted to know Jesus. He says, for His sake I suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. I want Paul's prayer to be my prayer. I want to know Him. I want to know Christ. And I want to know the power of His resurrection that works in our lives day by day. If He knows me so well, and my desire is then to get to know Him, and, and it's a lifelong process of getting to know Him. We'll never come to the end of getting to know Jesus. I mean, that's a wonderful promise that when you get into your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, your 100s, you still haven't found everything there is to know about Jesus. So keep looking, keep studying, keep learning. What Jesus puts as first and foremost to, to know about Him 
It's mentioned five times in this short little passage here. It says he lays down his life for his sheep. If you're his sheep, he lays down his life for you. You can say that. He laid down his life for me. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, I lay my life down that I may take it up again. Verse 18, I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. What is Jesus describing? His atoning death on the cross. Willingly laying down his life as a substitute in my place. The sheep who are prone to wander, sheep who, like all of us, have gone astray, each of us have turned to our own way, each of us think, like that little two-year-old kid, I can do it myself. I do it. I do it. I do it. And the shepherd is there to lead the sheep, to guide the sheep. He is the master of the sheep. Yet we stubbornly say, I can do it. Jesus says, no, you'll follow me and you'll see I am a Savior who lays down his life for you. It's repeated five times. It's important that that's central to his character. Yes, he's a loving shepherd. Yes, he's caring. Yes, he has so much wisdom to teach us. There's so many things that he did as an example that we ought to follow. But he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a moral example to follow. He is our Savior who lays down his life in our place. He is our substitute. This death that Jesus died is an atoning sacrifice. This this is a sacrifice that makes peace with God because Jesus suffered and died the death that I deserve because of my sin, not because of his own sin. He went to the cross because of my sin. And when he paid for my sin on that cross, he made peace with God for me. He purchased that pardon. He reconciled me to God and made peace. And do you realize that this passage is teaching us that the death that Jesus died was specifically and particularly for his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. It's not universal atoning sacrifice. It's not a general sacrifice, but it's a very specific for my sheep who hear my voice and they follow me. I lay down my life for my sheep. People debate this. People argue over this. I think they confuse the general and universal call for all men everywhere to be saved. We don't know who is going to be saved, who is going to respond. We should call everyone everywhere to be saved. But the death that Jesus died was for his sheep. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And this, is, this should bring us such comfort, such joy in knowing that his love is a specific particular and direct love of us. Our names are written on his hands. His sacrifice is personal for us. It's particular. And Christian Jesus, your good shepherd, laid down his life for your sins. How does that make us respond? Fourthly, I hear 
and follow him. Now, Nathan, you could have made those two different points, couldn't you? Yes, I could. But they go exactly together in the text as they should go together in our lives. When we hear, we should follow. When he says jump, we should say how high. It is that kind of relationship that a shepherd has to its sheep that we need to understand. We aren't autonomous. We aren't individuals who get to call the shots, get to do our own things, check back with God every once in a while. Am I okay? Okay. No. We are to hear His voice and follow Him. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. How trained are you at hearing Jesus' voice? You know, sometimes our children um, maybe develop a certain type of deafness. When mom calls for dinner or dad calls for dinner, it just doesn't seem like they hear that particular voice. Now, if mom or dad say, hey, do you want some ice cream? Now, things might be a little different. They hear the ice cream, maybe not necessarily who it's coming from. Maybe as we get older, we get the selective hearing as well, and our spouse says something, we don't quite hear it. No, we can't practice any of that selective hearing when it comes to our Savior, the Good Shepherd. He's our master. When we hear His voice, we should follow. Now, some people, and myself included, we chafe under that sometimes because I don't like being told what to do. I like being in control. I like to set the pace. I like to set the agenda. If we're going somewhere, I want to make the plans. I want to make the arrangements. I want to be in charge. The nature of Jesus being the good shepherd is that I'm not in charge. So how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to live with that? See, when He commands, I need to obey. I will submit. And those commands that God gives us in His Word, sometimes we see those commands, the law of God, as being such a burden, such a weight, and such, God's a killjoy. Why can't He just let me have fun? It's because we don't understand Jesus is the good shepherd. God is the one who made you, put you together. God is the one who formed you. God is the one who sent Jesus, His Son, to lay down His life for you. He loves you. And all he says to you is, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the commandments of somebody who made you, wrote the manual about your operation, what works best for you, who, the one who knows the beginning from the end, he sees all and knows all, isn't he the right one to be listening to? Isn't he the right one to be following? When we hear him, we ought to follow him. And His character is such a loving and caring Heavenly Father that it should be our joy to follow Him. And yeah, we're going to scratch our heads every once in a while. God, I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing. You say, love my enemy? That's tough, God. How do I do that? But He commands it. I need to find a way to do it because it's what's good for me. It's what's right. And you know what? Our Good Shepherd gives us the strength to do that, the grace to obey and to live. I don't want you to be confused. It's not when you act right, when you do right, when you follow God's command that He says, oh, why don't you be one of my sheep? No. It's because He laid down His life for you and calls you His own that when you hear His voice, oh, that's my shepherd, you respond. We love Him because He first loved us. We live in obedience to His commands. We follow Him because 
We know his voice, and we want to follow him as our Savior. Are you listening for God's voice today? If you're listening for an audible voice, let me tell you it's not going to come. It's going to come as you read his word, as you study the word. How do you respond when you hear your master's voice? Oh, but Lord, that's tough. Or, oh, maybe there's another verse that says something different. Maybe I can follow that one instead. And, you know, we try to make excuses. We try to delay. But when you hear your master's voice, the best thing that you can do is to obey it. Finally, look at verse 28 to 30 with me. The truth is that as our good shepherd, he holds us eternally. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I'm reading that emphatically because that's the language here. There are nevers, there are alls, there are no ones, there is no hows. There is, there is some very ultimate things that are said here. You will never perish. God gives you eternal life and you will never die. That should blow our mind. That should just amaze us. All right, this life is short, remember? Eternity is forever and the life that He gives us will never go away, never perish. And he says then, no one will snatch you out of my father, out of my hand. You see that at the end of verse 28, he says, no one, that means no one, will snatch you out of my hand. So that's Jesus, your good shepherd, saying he's got you in his hand. Now, to make his point even more securely, he says, my father who has given them to me. Okay, this is an exchange between the father and the son. If the Father says, I'm giving them to Jesus, who is going to say otherwise? Nobody can say otherwise because, he says, my Father, who's given them to me, is greater than all. There's no one with more authority in the universe than the Father who has made a declaration, you belong to the Son. I've given them to the Son. He's got you in His hand. The declaration is certain. Being held in His hand is certain. And He goes one more. And he says, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Wait, Jesus, you just said that we were in your hand. Yeah. He also says that you're in the Father's hand too. There's a double grip on you that no one can pull you out of Jesus' hand or out of the Father's hand. You are secure because you are loved by Jesus, given to Him by His Father, and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. <coughs> I hope that you see today this good shepherd, Jesus, a little more clearly. That you see that He is your good shepherd and that this personal and intimate relationship is more than just that person in history. This is a real relationship that you're cultivating now because you know that He knows you and you desire to know Him better. And I hope that you know that He's your Savior. I hope you know Him as your Savior, not just a moral teacher, a good example for us, that He died in your place. And I hope this stirs you to want to follow Him wherever He leads, that you're listening to His voice and then you want to obey because you love Him. And I hope you know 
that this gift of life that He's given you is eternal. It's secure. And no one can take it away. That you are loved eternally. Rejoice that you have a good shepherd. That He is who He says He is. And ask yourself, what kind of sheep am I going to be in response? By God's grace, what kind of sheep am I going to be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just so much truth about your relationship with your son and the work of your son for us and what this means to our day-to-day life. I pray that we wouldn't be lost in abstract truths about you, that we wouldn't get too deep in the theological mire, that we don't see the practical reality of who you are and who we are in you. I pray that you, our shepherd, would lead us and direct us, that we would follow you by still waters and green pastures. Lord, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be there with us. Your rod, your staff, that will comfort us. You are preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Lord, our cup is filled to overflowing. We will be in your presence all the days of our lives. Thank you for that security, for that knowledge, for being our good shepherd. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.